We're going to begin here on the top of Yud Berem and Aleph by the two dots. The Gemara now quotes from the Mishnah that we brought from Tamid in yesterday's daf, which is the Korin Naseret Adibrot Shema Vayayim Shema Vayomer Emet Viyatziv Vavudah Ubirkat Kohanim. Gemara wants to understand why is it that in the Mikdash they read Aseret Adibrot, yet outside of the Mikdash we don't have that practice to read the Aseret Adibrot. I'm Rabbi Yehuda Mishma Af Big Vulim Big Shul the Krot came. Even outside of the Mikdash, they wanted to read the Serta Dibrot. They eliminated it from davening because of the claims of the non-believers. And as Rashi points out here, They shouldn't tell the Amearetz, The rest of the Torah is not really true. It's just, That they only read in davening, those parts of the Torah that really came from God. The rest of the Torah doesn't come from God, but the particular place where it was brought from Sinai, that they do read in Davening. So the idea being, they don't want to assign significance to any part of the Torah in particular, because people then claim that that significance indicates that it is more important or different than the remainder of the Torah. And now we'll have a number of memrot that say the same thing, which is Tanya Namiochi. We have a Braita that affirms that. Again, they wanted to institute the reading of Sereti Dibrot outside of the Mikdash, but they did not, or they eliminated it because of the fear of the claims of the Minim. And so he wanted to edit it into Davening. Namaima had the same story. So in both these cities, they wanted to institute saying a certain debrot, and then they had a response from another Amora that said that we can't do that because the problem already arose in the earlier generations, and they did not allow it. They nullified that practice because of the problems that can arise from assigning particular significance to a portion of the Torah. What's interesting on this is that there's actually a tshuva to Rambam. The Rambam received a question from the Chachmei Lunil with regards to whether when we read the Torah and we get to Parshat Yitro, should the Tzibur stand up when the Chazan reads the Aserta Dibrot in the Torah? And the Rambam quotes Agimar over here and responds and says, No, if you stand up for the Aserta Dibrot when reading the Torah, you'll have the same problem that you have by adding them into davening. Just like if you add them into davening, you are assigning particular significance to that portion of the Torah, which will bring people to think that it's different. So too, if you have the Tzibor stand up for a certain Dibrot, it will assign to it a, a particular significance which would differentiate it from the rest of the Torah, and then people will look at it differently, or speak about it differently, as compared to the rest of the Torah. So Rambam respect that they should eliminate the practice of standing up during the Aserta Dibrot. And there were many shuls that followed that practice at the Rambam. Others, where they do stand up for Aserta Dibrot, the ways to solve that problem are to stand up not just for the Aserta Dibrot, but rather for that entire Aliyah. If you start from the beginning of the Aliyah, then you're not assigning particular significance to that portion, but rather to that Aliyah, which has aspects beyond the Aserta Dibrot in it, and then people will be less likely to assign particular significance to it. In the Torah, we actually have two sets of trup, two sets of cantations that are assigned to the Aserta Dibrot. We have what's called Tam HaElyon and Tam HaTachton. And if you look carefully at them, the Tam HaElyon and Tam HaTachton basically divide up the Aserta Dibrot differently. The Tam HaTachton, which is found in the Chumashim, divides it up into Psukim. The Tam HaElyon, which is used when we lane it in the Tzibor in public, that Tam divides up the Aserta Dibrot into Dibrot. 
and that every pasuk is a single dibra. And so it goes to great lengths to create shrub that makes it basically almost like a run-on sentence so that you can get each dibra be a separate entity. Now, there were different minal game in different communities, whether to read Tamel Yon every time we read the Aserta Dibrot, both in Yichon at Hanan, as well as on Shabuot. There are other cities where the practice was only to add the Tamel Yon when they landed on Shavuot. And Rosalvich explained that the reason for this is the Tamel Yon is to simulate, or for us, what transpired at Har Sinai. To receive the Torah like it was at the time of Sinai, the Aseret Hadibrot. And therefore, the practice of standing up for the Aseret Hadibrot is to again simulate the Har Sinai. The Gemara tells us in the olden days when they were strong enough, they used to stand up when they weren't. Because that they wanted to learn Torah the way it was given at Sinai with the people standing. The Gemara also relates that Shabibriada, trembling and in fear, just like when they stood at the foot of Sinai. But there's this idea of not only reading those portions of the Torah, but having those portions of the Torah simulate that which took place at Har Sinai. And so therefore the standing up is not to assign particular significance to that portion, but rather to commemorate an event or simulate the event of Har Sinai. And therefore, those that had the practice only to read the Tamal Yon on Shavuot would only stand up when it was Shavuot. For Parshat Tichon and Tchanan, when they ran Tamal Tachton, they shouldn't stand up, because that is not simulating what took place at Sinai, if you're reading a Kipsukim, and not Kedibrot. Our practice, and I think the practice in many shuls, is to read the Tamal Yon for all instances of the Aser Tidibrot, that's in Parshat Tichon, Tchanan, and on Shavuot, and therefore, based on that reasoning, you would stand up for all three of those situations. Again, to avoid the problem of the Rambam or what's found in our Gemara here, then they, you can either stand up for the whole parsha, which might be valuable in and of itself, but if you don't, then standing up at least for that Aliyah might mitigate some of that problem. Continuation of that Mishnah and Tamid, that on Shabbat they used to add on an additional bracha for the Kohanim, who were changing shifts. So the shift that was leaving gave a bracha to the shift that was entering. My brach achat, what was this bracha? mishmar omer the mishmar nichnas. The mishmar that was leaving says the one that was entering, the change in the shift, me, shashachan et shemo the one who has placed his name, has named dwells in this house, meaning the mikdash. Hu yashkin benechem He should have dwell between you, love, brotherhood, peace, and friendship. So you see the I think this is an important message that the Kohanim were coming up to do the Avodah in the Mikdash, which is very focused on Ben Adam Lamakom between man and God. There is a tendency when one is very focused on the mitzvot of Ben Adam Lamakom to negate or diminish the need for mitzvot Ben Adam Lechavero. And we see stories like that in the Gemara. The Mishnah and Yoma describes how the Kohanim lost perspective on how to treat each other because they were so they were trying to run up the Mizbeach, they wanted to be first, they wanted to do the Avoda, and because of that, they lost the sensitivity to other people. And here's the bracha that that Mishmar gives to the Mishmar comes in, is that despite the fact that you're now entering into a mode of Ben Adam the Makom, that the Ben Adam the should not be diminished, that the Avodat Hashem should not be done at the expense of Ben Adam the Chavero, and therefore, paramount to that is the idea of and only that way can they present the proper face to Hashem and come for Hashem to do the Avodah Hashem. And that's what the Nevi'im speak about, of Torot that we read and then 
Teshubav itself, the problem that the Navi describes in the beginning of Yermiel, the beginning of Yishayahu, is that Hashem is not interested in the Avodat Hashem when there is no Ben Adam L'chavero. And so Ben Adam L'chavero is almost a prerequisite to Ben Adam L'makom. And we see that through this bracha. This is the first bracha that they got entering into the Avodat Hashem. Pagom Shemul Arich. Pagomar says, Pshita. Pagomar says, I know for sure. It's only a cup of wine in his hand. And he thought it was beer. So we know the bracha on wine is borei pri agofen. The bracha on beer is shehakol niyeh bidvaro. Upatach umevarech adayta deshechra. He begins the bracha baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech haolam, thinking that it is beer. That means that he thinks he's going to end shehakol niyeh bidvaro. Suddenly he realizes that he does not have beer but rather wine. B'siyem bidechamro, and he ends borei pri agofen yatsa. There for sure he's yotzei the bracha. Din Ami Omar Had he said say he'd never changed his thinking and said on the wine, he would have been Yotze, the Hatznan. We have a Mishnah later on in the Masafta Kulam On anything that you're supposed to make a birkatanin, a bracha for something that you're going to get hana from, if you say which is the generic bracha, then you are yotze, even though the proper bracha is bari priyogofen, bidyeved, if you which is the all-encompassing, generic, common denominator bracha, then you'd be yotze. So therefore, since you made the mistake with regards to shakol, and then switched over the bracha, proper bracha bari priyogofen, you for sure are yotze. Question is, the question arises when he's holding beer in his hand, because savar the chamro, that he thinks that he has actually wine in his hand. So he begins the bracha, Baruch, Hashem, Melech, I'm thinking it is wine. And then he ends, which is the proper bracha, because he is holding beer. My, what's the din here? Do we go after the focal part of the bracha, which is Baruch, Hashem, Melech, giving praise to Hashem? And over there, he made a mistake. He thought it was Wine and not beer. Oh, butter chatimazlina. Do we go after how he ended? He ended which is the proper bracha. Over here, you don't have what we had before, which is that he began thinking it was bori priyagofin. If you ended bori priyagofin and you were drinking beer, it is not a bracha that you could be yotze with. But even bidiyevit, bori priyagofin does not help for beer. So we do not have that same dispensation we had in the previous case. And the Gemara wants to know, what do we focus on? Do we focus on the major part, the ikar part of the bracha, Baruch HaTashem, where he had the wrong dot, and therefore he's not, he'll say the bracha, or do we say, he, in the end, he said, which is what he was supposed to say, and therefore he's fine. The Mara says, Tashma, I'll bring you a proof, and the reason that this is found here is because it involves our Mishnah. In the morning, if he began the bracha, of Yotzer Or, he began Yotzer Or, and then Siyem B'mari Varavim, and then he continues on to say, the bracha of Mari Varavim, lo yatsa. In that case, you're not Yotzer, because the proper bracha is Yotzer Or. Patach B'mari Varavim, what he was saying, Baruch HaTai Shem Elkeinu Me'achalam, he thinks he's going to say Mari Varavim. Siyem B'yotzer Or, instead, he continues on with the bracha of Yotzer Or, Vorech Hoshech, yatsa. In that case, he is Yotzer Arvit. Now we move on to the evening time. Patach B'mari Varavim, said Baruch HaTai Shem Elkeinu Me'achalam, B'mari Varavim, Thinking that it's going to be that bracha of the Yotzer, instead he switches the bracha of Yotzer lo yatsa. Then he's not Yotzer. Patach Yotzer Or. On the other hand, at night, if he starts out with Yotzer Or, Baruch Hashem Elkeinu Mechalam, thinking he's going to say Yotzer Or, Siyem, and then he continues on with the bracha Mari Varavim, then he's Yatsa. Kol Davar. The general principle you can draw from here is a Kol Oleich Achar 
goes after the conclusion. If you conclude properly, then you are fine. Where it says, shiny otam. The kamar baruch yotzer meorot. Over there, it's a bracha ruka. It's a long bracha. And the first bracha, the birkat kriyashma, has an opening bracha, as well as a closing bracha. You start out, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Yotzer Or Avore Choshech, Hosei Shalom Avrei Tachol. And you conclude that Baruch HaTah Hashem, Yotzer Amirot. So the Gemara is suggesting here the fact that you started with the Rag Machshava and then switched over to the right Machshava. The reason that works in this instance is because of the conclusion of the Bracha, which is Baruch HaTah Hashem, Yotzer Amirot. So in the concluding Bracha, you did it completely right. And that can rectify what you did in the beginning bracha. So don't bring me an example from that to our case of Shikhra when he's holding the beer and he starts out with a bracha boy piragofen and switch to akoni ebid Because over there, there's no rectification. There's no other bracha that's going to rectify what happened up front. Where it says, wait, that's true about the concluding bracha, anicha the rav. That works well according to rav. Damar kol bracha shem karata shem eno bracha shapir. According to rav who says the qualification to be called a bracha is that you mention Hashem's name. So over here, you do mention Hashem's name when you say, Baruch Hashem Yotzer Amirot. So there, you mention Hashem's name. That's a bracha. That bracha can override or rectify the beginning bracha. On the other hand, Rabbi Yochum, Demarko Baruch Hashem Ba'machut, Eina Bracha. In order to be classified as a bracha, not only do you need Baruch Hashem, the name of Hashem, but Melech HaOlam, Machut. His kingship needs to be mentioned over he qualifies a bracha. Over here, you can't say that Baruch Hashem Yotzer Amirot is a rectification of the beginning bracha. Because the latter bracha is not a bracha, according to Rabbi Yochanan. It doesn't have Melech HaOlam in it. Ella, So, because we mentioned before this requirement to mention the day during the night, and the night during the day, that's why we say Yotzer Or Uvore Choshech, as well as the night, we say Golel Or Mipnei Choshech, Choshech Mipnei Or. So you have to mention both aspects, both the day and night. Ki Kamar Bracha Machut Mikara Tarvayu Kamar. So in the beginning, when you open the bracha, you're opening the bracha with the consideration of Yotzer Or Vore Choshech, or Golel Or Mipnei Choshech, Choshech Mipnei Or. You have in mind to mention both the Choshech and the Or. And therefore, if you had in mind to say the wrong bracha, you started out thinking you're going to say Mariv Aravim, and then you switch and realize you're going to say Yotzer Or Vore Choshech, that's not really considered to be a switch. Because topically, thematically, both were encompassed in the original bracha. When you say the bracha is Hashem Mechalam, you're mentioning both night and day, because that's the theme of the bracha. So therefore, if you have in mind to start with the wrong, say we're in the daytime, he starts with the thoughts of Mariv, still when he ends with Yotzer or Vorechoshech, that's fine, because thematically you really haven't left the core of the bracha, even when you had in mind in the beginning to say Mariv Aravim. Rebbe says, okay, we don't have an answer to our question then. Tashma, let us learn it out. Misefa. But now latter half of that bright. Everything goes after the conclusion. What is this cloud? What is this principle at the end of the Mishnah come to include that was not already obvious from the first part of the Mishnah? Lav the tui Damran. Isn't it coming to include our case? Case where he starts out saying, Baruch Hashem, I'm thinking it's Bori Priyagafen. And then it's out, So since you ended correctly, that's all that matters. That close of the word comes to include a case when you have a case of bread and dates. Hey, dummy, what's the case here? He ate bread. And he thought that he ate dates. When he says the bracha chrona, he thinks that he's saying a bracha chrona for dates. And then he realizes all along that he really didn't have dates, but rather bread. And then he concludes the bracha as being benching. Hanubayin, that's exactly our question. So over here, where he begins the bracha chrono saying, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elkeinu Mechulam, thinking that he's going to say the bracha main shalosh on dates, which is, Ala'i Tzvel Priya'i Tzvel 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 Tzv
And then as soon as he gets there, Baruch Hashem Kenimachalam, he realizes, oh, no, no, no. Azara told him, Kolo B'tubal. Says, no, no, I need to bench. I don't need to say, Baruch Hashem Kenimachalam. So he switches over. So if that's the case that you're including from Zeklal, that's exactly our question. Our question is, again, where you began the bracha thinking with something else and conclude with the proper bracha. So over here, that would be this similar case. If that's what the cloud is including, then we have an answer to our question. Where it says, Tzricha, we need it for something else. And he thinks that he ate bread. Then he begins the bracha, think he's going to bench. And then he ends off with dates, saying, Over here is Yotzeh. Because even if he had benched, he would have been Yotzeh. My timer. Dates are considered to be an integral part of a meal. They are sustaining and satisfying. And therefore, if one benched on dates, it would not be out of place, it would not be an incorrect assignment of the word to use the term zan with regards to dates and not just what bread. So again, what now we've done is created or recreated what we had in the beginning of the Gemara, which was pshita to us. It's to us that if you began the bracha thinking it was shahakal and then you end the word and it works because even the shahakal would not have been inappropriate for the wine. So, so to over here, where you begin thinking that you're going gonna to bench and in the end you switch and say, oh no, I have to do al eitz while pre-eitz. Nevertheless, that beginning with benching was not out of place or inappropriate because it might be okay to bench on dates because they have this unique property of being zan. Now the Gemara leaves it inconclusive. So what do you do when the Gemara leaves something inconclusive? So the Tosafot quotes from the Rav Alfas, the Reef, Suffolk, Brachot, Ahakel. And therefore we're going to go to Kula. Since the Gemara does not address this issue, we're going to go to Kula and say that you do not have to repeat the Brach in that case. On the other hand, Tosafot quotes from the Ri, that he used to say, L'chumra, you have to go to Chumra. So the Gilean Hashas, Rabbi Kiba Eger, asked right away, what do you mean you go to Chumra? We know that there's a principle of Suffolk, Brachot, Ahakel. So why would you ever go to Chumra over here? Answer is the Rabbi Kiba Eger, that when we say suffix bracha tahakel, that's by birkata mitzvot. Bracha that you say before the mitzvot, because that is, number one, rabbinic in nature, and number two is not me'akev the mitzvah. It does not stop you from performing the mitzvah. Even if, if you do the mitzvah without the bracha, it's still a mitzvah. And so therefore, we're over there, we're going to say suffix bracha tahakel. Over here, by birkata nanin, that's not the case. If one does not make a bracha, we're going to see later on in Ketzad Mevarchim, it's as if he stole from a Kaddish Baruch in order to eat or be able to partake of these foods or this hana, you must first ask permission from Hashem. And if you don't ask permission from Hashem, you are stealing from Hashem. So over here, you can't say, Well, it's okay. If you don't make the bracha, you'll just be stealing. That doesn't work. Over here, you don't have that sad kugel that says everything's fine if you don't make the bracha. Over here, it's not fine. If you don't make the bracha, it's as if you stole or you're mo'el with regards to the material world that Hashem provided you. Therefore, over here, we would pass in the Chumrah to say that in this instance, you will have to repeat the Brocha. Since the Gemara was not conclusive about it, it would seem that we go to Chumrah and you'd make the Brocha in cases where you have this mix-up. Tosad also points out from the Rach that, for instance, if you remember Toch Dibra when you said the wrong Brocha and you switch it to the right Brocha, that that's fine. That's okay over there. And similarly, if you're davening on Yom Tov, and instead of saying Mikadesh Yisrael Vazmanim, you say Mikadesh Shabbat, and then Toch Dei Dibor, you switch it back to Mikadesh Yisrael Vazmanim, that is fine. That really derives from something that's said later on in the Tosafot, which is one of the Balei Tosafot, I read Rabbi Yaakov Mikinun, how could it be that the Brocha, if you have the Kavana to say the wrong Brocha, then you end up saying the right Brocha, why should it matter at all? We know, we're going to see in tomorrow's daf, mitzvot, ein tzrichot kavana. 
Mitzvah do not require kavana. So over here, where you're doing the mitzvah of bracha, if you add the wrong kavana, it shouldn't be problematic because we don't even need kavana. And the re answers and distinguishes. He says that's true. If you don't have anything in mind, if you have stam, yeah, your mind doesn't know. You just assume you're saying whatever you're supposed to say. In that case, mitzvot ain't tzrichot kavana and ain't tzrichot kavana. You don't have to worry about it. On the other hand, if you have negative kavana, active negative kavana, that is problematic, and that's what's happening over here. Had you just said Baruchat Hashem Elokeinu Mecholam in the generic statement, you don't even think about what bracha you're going to end with, then it's fine, because there mitzvah ain't tzrichot kavana. On the other hand, if you make that bracha with kavana specifically to be, in our case, bori pri when you're supposed to be making a shakol neyeh bidvaro, that could undermine the bracha. And so you have to differentiate in these cases between active kavana and passive kavana, which is that when you're passive, we don't ask you to be mikavin to the right thing, and you're yotze because mitzvah de'en tzirchot kavana. And then if you have active kavana and you have the wrong active kavana, that will undermine your ability to have the principle of mitzvah de'en tzirchot kavana apply to you, since you took that away by having active negative kavana. And now the Gemara continues, Amar or Chanina Saba Mishmid the Rav. So now we're going to have a series of memrot from Amar Bar Chinina or Chanina Saba Mishmid the Rav. When it comes to Kriyat Shema, the concluding brocha after Kriyat Shema in the morning is Emet V'yatsiv, and at night is Emet V'emuna. And if you didn't say them, you were not Yotze, Shinamar. Because we talk about Hashem's Chesed in the morning, and we talk about Emuna at night. As Rashi points out, that the Emet V'yatsiv is full of chesed. Shasayim Avuteinu. It's a description of all the wonderful things that Hashem did for our forefathers. Mitzrayim. He took us out of Mitzrayim. He split the Yamsu for us. And then, Brachet Emet Muna at night is all about the future. Saying that Hashem, like He took care of us, He will take care of us. He defends us against our enemies. He takes away all evil and bad or people that are thinking bad about us. Emunah at night, which is the trust in Hashem that Hashem will take care of us. And chesed in the morning is to praise Hashem for the fact that He took care of our forefathers and He brought us to this point. And therefore thematically, emet v'yatsiv is the morning bracha. Emet v'emunah is the evening bracha. Tosafot brings an alternative to explanation, which is based on the Midrash Rabbah and Eicha, that in the morning, and this is why we say in the morning, the idea that in the morning we get our neshama back, it's as if there was a tchiyat ametim. So there, the emunah at night is that we give over our neshama to Hashem to watch on our behalf, and He returns them in the morning, and we don't have to make any effort. So that idea of emunah at night is that we trust that Hashem will take care of us at night, that we sleep and then we'll awaken the next morning. And that's why we have emunah at night. And the chesed that we mentioned is that after He's done that for us, in the morning we have the babukar chazdecha, because Hashem does that chesed returning to us in the morning. The other thing to note over here is that Tosfut says that the brach of yatsi v'nachom v'kayim that is found in the morning tefillah after davening, over there we have a number of Accolations that are given. So it says that they don't refer to Hashem. Don't think that, that all those praises that are after any Hashem Elokeichem Emet, then we say V'yatziv, V'nachon, V'kayam, V'yashar, those are not descriptors of Hashem. But rather, Aladavar Azeh. Concluding line there, which is that we are happy 
and all of these things are true, what's the Dvarazeh? The God is Hashem is our God. So those accolades, those accolades are not for direct praise of Hashem, but rather our affirmation and acceptance of the fact that God is the true God. And in a sense, that is the Kabbalat Omachut Shemayim. And that might be the statement of Rabbi, that might be what the Gemara is after over here. When we quote the Psukim, they are words of Torah that were said from Hashem to us. And the Kabbalat Omachut Shemayim really only comes after we've completed the three parts of Kriyat Shema, then we affirm that by saying, Yatsiv v'nachon v'kayam v'yashar, all of those words that affirm and accept that fact that Hashem is our God. So the true Kabbalat Olam Achut Shemaim takes place at that point in time, and that's why it's so fundamental to have that afterwards. Lo yatsa, yadat yotzei, unless you say these tefillot afterwards. Okay, now we have additional memrot, which is Amar Rebuchina Saba, Mishmei Derav, Mitpalel, Kashu Korea. When a person is bowing down in Tfilah, Korea be Baruch. You bow down in Baruch, and then Ujuz Zokeif, Zokeif Pashem. And when you become upright, you come upright with the Shem Hashem. So the proper way to bow down is Baruch, from the word Berech, knees. So one bends their knees at Baruch. The Ata, a person, folds himself over to bow down. The complete submission of the individual when he switches to the second person of Ata. And then Zokeif Bashem. They upright themselves. They stand up with the Shem Hashem. They come upright again. So Amr Shmuel, my time with the Rav, what's the reason behind the Rav's explanation like this? Dichtiv. Hashem Zokeif Kifufim. Hashem is the one who straightens up those that are bent over. And from my name, you will be afraid or fearful. But the Gemara here is losing the word Nachat. Also means to rest or go down. So from my name, you will go down, not go up. So when it says Miktiv Bishmi, it doesn't say with my name. It says Mipneishmi. Because of my name, Ktiv. Meaning that the fear of Hashem will cause one to bow down or lay down. But when it doesn't say Bishmi, with my name, you must bow down. Oh, with my name, Hashem's okif kufufim, then we come upright. Amalei Shmuel Lechir Barav. Shmuel says to Rav son Chia, Bar Uryan. So here, Bar Uryan, it's not clear, but that means, you know, the son of a Tamar Chacham, Tamar Chacham, or it's his name. Let me tell you something great. That your father said, Rav. This is what your father said. When you bow down, you bow down with Baruch. And when you upright yourself, you do it with the shame Hashem. When he bowed down, bowed down like a staff. When he got up, he got up like a snake. And here again is to show one submission before Hashem. So when you bow down, you bow down quickly. You bend your knees, and then you push your body down quickly. On the other hand, when you're uprighting yourself, when you bring yourself back up to the vertical position, you come up slowly. You bend, bring up your head first, and then you slowly bring your back back up like a snake. A snake who brings its head up first, and then slowly brings its body up to where the head is. Do that to show your submission before Hashem. You go down quickly. And you come up slowly to show that it's not a masui. It's not something that is too much for you to bow down, but something that you do out of love and submission before Hashem. And so that is the proper way to bow down. And as Tosfut points out here, it's not good enough just to bow down and bring your back down. One must bend their head down. Kofu prosho. You must bend your head down. You can't go down and have your head sticking up like a turtle. That is not called bowing. Bowing is when your head also submits along with your body. And then you upright yourself, you do bring your head up first, and then the back up slowly, but that's only on the way up. When in the bowing position, you go down entirely, 
He says you don't bow down too much. Don't go over too far because that's also not appropriate or not a sign of submission. So now the Gemara continues. Another memra from Amar Rabbi Barchinin Asava Mishmedirav. Like our practice, to end the brachot in Shemun Esrei, the bracha of Atakadosh with Akela Kadosh, to end the bracha of Shiva Shoftenu with Melech Leib Tzedakah Mishpat. Chutz, the exception there is a Sarah Yemim, Shabin Rosh Hashanah Le Yom Akipurim, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Shemitvalel HaMelech HaKadosh, and that time period you conclude the bracha of HaMelech HaKadosh, VeHaMelech HaMishpat. And they also, the bracha of Melech Leib Tzedakah Mishpat, you change to HaMelech HaMishpat. So we do that because, in a sense, it's Kename Ora. You're supposed to identify within uh, Tefillah the nature of the day that you're, or the nature of the days that you're found in. And since we know that during those days of Asar Yamim, Ben Hashem is found close to us, is ever, is present with us. Therefore, it's appropriate to say Hamelech and to address Hashem as the king. First of all, Rosh Hashanah, where we coronate the king, but also where he is present right in front of us. So we address him as Hamelech HaKadosh, Hamelech HaMishpat. That even though you're supposed to say Amalekha Kadosh, if by accident you said Akela Kadosh, you don't say Shinamar, Vaibashim Tzvakot Bamishpat, Vaela Kadosh, Nikdash Bitztaka. So it says, Hashem is Vaiba, great, Bemishpat, and His judgment, Vaakela Kadosh, and that holy God is Nikdash Bitztaka, is made holy through His generosity, through His benevolence. Ematai Vaibashim Tzvakot Bamishpat. What time of year is Hashem? Great in his judgment. Vikamar in the Pasuk describes him still as a Kelakadosh. So based on that, he says you could conclude the Brocha Kelakadosh and still be Yotzi during that time period. What's interesting is that we quote this Pasuk in the davening of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippurim, in the longer version of the Brocha Vatakadosh. We actually conclude the bracha with this Pasuk of Vaikbashem Tsvakoba Mishwara Ela Kadosh Hamikdash Bitstaka. Baruch atah Hashem ha-melech ha-kadosh. That's what Gemara says, Mayhav Elah. What's the Psaq Halacha here? So, Amar Rav Yosef HaKel HaKadosh, Melech Yitzhak HaMishpat. You can say those, or if you say them, you're fine. Rav Amar, Melech HaKadosh, Melech HaMishpat. You must say, Melech HaKadosh, Melech HaMishpat. V'hilchoto k'rabo. The Loch is like Rabo. And you must conclude the Brach with a Melech HaKadosh and a Melech HaMishpat. Tosafot brings over here that, based on that, if you missed one of these items, you'd have to repeat Shman And not only these items but also the additional items that we add in during that period of time, which is Zachreinu, Mikamocha, Kadvenu Besefer Achayim, all those additions that we have in Shemun If you miss any of them, you're going to have to repeat Shemun because that's Ke'ena Me'orah. So that's the appropriate tefillah reflection of the nature of the day. And if you don't do that, then you are not Yotze. Yotze in the end backs down from him a little bit and says, well, the additions like Zachreinu, Mikamocha, Kadvenu Besefer Achayim, those are later additions. And since those are only geonic additions to the tefillah, therefore you don't have to repeat the tefillah. But for a melech kadosh and a melech mishpat, you would. Our practice is only to repeat shmones if one forgets a melech kadosh, because over there the alternative is akela kadosh, which is different. On the other hand, by melech mishpat, since the bracha still contains the word melech even in its normal form, which is melech oevstakal mishpat, therefore if you make the mistake and didn't say a melech mishpat, we're not going to make you go back over there. Only for HaMelech HaKadosh we're going to make you go back. The Mishnah Brewer brings down in the Sharet Zion, in the beginning of Hilchot Rosh Hashanah, an interesting Havamina, or Sakalocha, which he rejects, which is that on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, if a person makes a mistake and says HaKel HaKadosh instead of HaMelech HaKadosh, maybe you don't have to go back in davening. And that's based on what we know from Rosh Chodesh. 
When it comes to Rosh Chodesh, you can see that later in the Mesechta. If one does not say Yalav Yovo at night time of Rosh Chodesh, they do not have to repeat Shmon Esrei. And that's based on the fact that Ein Mekachin HaChodesh Balayla. You're not Mekachin HaChodesh at night. And therefore, the real time to focus on Rosh Chodesh is during the daytime. If you forget Yalav Yovo at night, you do not have to repeat Shmon Esrei. If you forget it during the day, you do have to repeat Shmon Esrei. So based on that, they want to say the same thing by Shmon Esrei on the night of Rosh Hashanah. In Mekachin Rosh Hashanah is the ultimate Rosh Chodesh. And since we're not Mekachin Rosh until the morning, therefore, maybe if you made a mistake in davening at night, and you said, Akela Kadosh instead of Melech Kadosh, you wouldn't have to repeat it, just like you don't have to repeat it when you forget Yalav Yobah Rosh Chodesh. Meshavir quotes this opinion, the Sharetzion, and says, Nehem, we don't pass them like that. We say that even on the first night of Rosh Hashanah, you have to say, Melech Kadosh, that it is Me'ina Ma'ura, and it's not dependent on the Kiddush HaChodesh. But it's just an interesting Hamvamina that is brought down the Allahu. But now Gemara continues, another memra, Amar Rabba Barchinina, Amar Rabba Barchinina, Sa'aba Mishmed Rav, Kol Shevshul Vakesh Rachamim HaChaviro, Anybody who has the ability to daven on behalf of their friend and doesn't do so is a sinner. Woe to me if I will sin to Hashem to withhold tefillah for you. I mean that if he did withhold the tefillah and he didn't daven on their behalf, then he would have been considered a choteh. So we see from this that someone who does not daven in the place where they could daven for someone else is considered to be a sinner. Rabbi also used to mention that it might be possibly a violation of a mitzvah doraita, of the requirement not to stand idly by while your friend is in danger. There's a requirement for a person to save a person if they have the ability to do so. And so just like that's true in the physical world, if someone's in danger and you can take a small amount of risk and save them, that you should do so. So too in the spiritual world, if you have the ability to daven and to act on behalf of your friend and you don't do that, you might be in violation of that right of standing idly by while your friend is in danger. The Gemara continues now. So our Gemara, the way we have the Girsa here, it sounds like if he's a Tamar Chocham, then the Tamar Chocham has to sicken himself over his friend. I mean, that's the nature of a Tamar Chocham, that he doesn't just think about himself, but he thinks more broadly of the Klal as a whole. And therefore he has to sicken himself over this issue. But the girsa that Rashi has, and the Bach also brings the girsa, it's the other way around, which is, Im Tam They add in those two words, and requires tefillah, then everybody else has to sicken themselves on behalf of the Tamar Chocham. That this is a requirement to the people to support the Tamar Chocham, in the sense that since he is so important to the Klal and to the Tzibor, that every member of the Tzibor has to sicken themselves to make sure that they daven on his behalf. So my time, oh, what's the reason? Shaul is bemoaning to his servants that when it came to David rebelling against him and making a covenant with his son, Yonatan, that none of you disclose this information. None of you care that I get sick or anything bad that happens to me. None of you are taking interest in it. Implying that that's what they should have been doing. They should have been taking interest in Shaul. Dilma, Melech Shani, maybe over there, the king is different. It's from here. David Melech says that even though others did not do for him this, but he, when they were sick and my clothing was sackcloth, I afflicted my soul fasting. David saying that he took to heart when other people were in trouble. And especially Tamir Chachamim. 
Right now, another member, Amar Abba Bechina, Ms. Abba Mishmei, the Rab, Kolosid, the Varaviram, Mitbayeshbo. Someone who does something wrong, does a sin, and then is embarrassed about it, Mokhlim Lakolavanatav. They forgive him of all his sins. More likely, the formulation is that they forgive him for that sin. That sin is forgiven if he's embarrassed about it, meaning that he takes it to heart. The idea of being embarrassed is that a person realizes that they've done something wrong, and they most likely want to rectify it to say sorry. Embarrassment is a sign of regret and remorse. If a person is not embarrassed about it, doesn't feel bad about it, then a person is not regretful, is not remorseful, so they won't do tshuva. And number two is they don't really feel bad about what they did. So the busha is an indication of the person's relationship with the tzivoy Hashem. And therefore, if they're embarrassed, that brings kapara to them. Shnemar, the man tizkari, You'll remember and be ashamed and never open up your mouth anymore because of your shame when I've forgiven you for all that you have done, says Hashem. So you see that that embarrassment is correlated with the forgiveness that Hashem provides to Bnei Israel. When it says, Maybe over there it's because it's the Tzibor, so that's why they are afforded that protection when they're embarrassed. How do we know it's true by the individuals? This is when Shaul goes to the Isha Balat Ov in order to find out what's going on with the battle with the Plishtim. And they bring up Shmuel from the dead. And Shmuel asks him, what do you do? Why did you cause me this problem to bring me up? I'm in a lot of difficulty. I'm in pain. It's a massive war that's going on between us and the Plishtim. And God has left me. He's not answering me. He doesn't answer me anymore. Gambia the Nevi'im, whether it's through the Navi, Gambia Michalomot, whether it's through a dream, and I'm calling you to find out what to do. Why is he mentioned that he's not getting answered through the Kohen Gadol, through the Urim Vitumim? Since Shaul had killed out the city of Kohanim, and he was embarrassed to mention the Urim Vitumim, because Shmuel might respond to him and say, you know why the Urim team doesn't answer you? It's because of what you did to hear Novir Kohanim. So since he was embarrassed about it, he was forgiven. Magamara says, how do you know he was forgiven? How do you know that they really did forgive him? We know that he's embarrassed about it now, but we don't know that he was forgiven. Because it says later on in Sefer Shmuel, this is in Shmuel Bet, with David Melech, when there's a problem during the time of David Melech, and he realizes that the issue is that the Givonim were wronged, and that something has to be done in order to rectify that situation with the Givonim, in order that this difficulty will leave Klai Yisrael. So he goes to the Givonim and asks them, what's the issue? The Givonim were displaced because they were suppliers to the Kohanim in Noviera Kohanim. And after Shoal destroyed Noviera Kohanim, the Givonim were left without a livelihood. And so they were left in a very difficult situation. So they want retribution taken against Shoal. And that's basically what they say to David. We want seven descendants of Shaul in order to kill them and to take revenge for that which took place by Nov Ira Kohanim. And David acquiesces and gives them. They want to hang these descendants of Shaul in Givachalu. Bichir Hashem. But there's a descriptor that is attached to Shaul, which is the chosen one of Hashem. So what do you mean? The Givonim did not like Shaul. They had no soft spots for Shaul. So what do you mean? They are going to say. We're going to hang it begivat Shaul bechir Hashem. They would never call it b'shaul the bechir Hashem. Ella, what is it? As the Gemara says, the Atzabokat kol b'amra bechir Hashem. Bechir Hashem is an editorial comment, meaning a bat kol, a heavenly voice comes out and says, when they say givat Shaul, it answers bechir Hashem, the chosen one of Hashem. 
So the fact that Mina Shamayim they describe Shaul as Bikhir Hashem shows you that he was forgiven for that sin. They wanted to edit, not only they have the Aserta Dibroger in Kriyachma, they also want to have Pashat Balak in Kriyachma. Why didn't they put it in there? Mishum Torah Tzibur. It's too long. It's huge. You're going to read Pashat Balak? That's too big. It's so my time. Why do they want to put it in there? Because it has mentioned it, that it's for Yitziat Mitzrayim, that they want to mention that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. There are other smaller Pashiot, the nicer Pashiot, you could say, Lema Pashat Ribit, Pashat Mishkalot, that comes to the restriction against taking interest from a fellow Jew or cheating in measurements. In both those cases, it says that Hashem who took you out of Mitzrayim, he's the one who's going to know when you're cheating, when you're doing what's wrong. So there you could have taken those parashiot, short parashiot, and mentioned Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So that can't be the reason. Because as this pasuk in it, the description here that they will lay down like the lion, and like the lion cubs, who's going to stand up against them? The alternative pasuk you see on the side of the Gemara that's brought in the Tanchuma is Hein Am Kilavi Yakum. They arise like a lion cub. Ad Yochal Taref. I mean, continuing through the pasuk, and then they will consume all the bounty of their booty of their enemies. Both of these descriptions are Shachav and Kam, which is Bishoch Bechov Kumecha. It's a play on Kriyachma of the way that Bnei Israel are Kamim and Shochvim, and they lay down. They lay down like the lion because they are secure with Hashem and they get up like a lion to do the mitzvah with Hashem. So it's a play on Ushoch B'chav Kumecha, but a very positive spin on our relationship with the Kodesh Baruch Hu and how we lay down and we stand up. Still requires a little bit more insight as to why they wanted to add in Bashad Balak, but Bashad Balak does speak about the unique relationship of Hashem and B'nai Israel from a bird's eye view. And therefore, maybe they wanted to add it in to have that as a part or a fundamental part of Kriyachma, B'nai Yisrael's unique relationship with Hashem as described in the Brachot of Pashat Balak. says, What's the big deal? Just say that, Pasuk. And then you won't have a problem anymore. Why do you have to say the whole Parsha? says, the Moshe Paskinan, any Parsha the Moshe broke up, we break it up. If Moshe didn't break it up, we don't break it up. The Gemara Megillah has a different saying like this, which is called psuka. Any pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't break up, we don't break it up into a, a pasuk. We have that problem by Rosh Chodesh. We don't have enough psukim to make the aliyot. One of the opinions there is to break a pasuk in half. There, the answer is that we don't break up psukim that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't break up. So why is it over there we only mention psukim? And over here we mention parshiot. Over there it sounds like the only problem is to break up a pasuk, not to break up a parsha. Here we're saying to break up a parsha is a problem. So the answer, that's how explained that there's a difference in what you're looking for. It depends what you're speaking about. When you're talking about laning the Torah, you lane psukim. So when you lane psukim, that's what aliyot, aliyot are. You have a minimum of three psukim that have to be for an aliyah. Over there the focus is a psukim. So when you focus on psukim, the only thing that you can't do is break up a pasuk that Moshe didn't break up. Over here when it comes to kriyat shema, we're looking at Parshiot. We read Parshiot, Parshat Shema, Parshat Vayayim Shema, Parshat Tzitzit. We're talking about Parshiot. And therefore, when you come to Balak, you can't break it down into Psukim. Psukim are not relevant to this type of tefillah, this type of presentation. This type of presentation is Parshiot. And therefore, the Gemara uses the terminology that you're not allowed to break Parshiot up into component parts because Moshe didn't break them up. Because here, the demand is for Parsha. So you have to look at what the demand is for. 
and then understand, based on that demand, what you can do to break it down. So by leaning, the demand is psukim. So you break it down into psukim. You can't break it down less than psukim. Over here, the demand is for parshiot. So very, you can break it down into parshiot, but you can't do less than a parsha. So now the word says, parsha tzitzit mibnei makavua. In the end, we do choose parsha tzitzit to be in Kriyat Why do we do that? Has five things that make it ra'ui to be added into Kriyat Number one, it has mitzvah tzitzit. Number two, is it has yitziat mitzrayim. Number three, it has o mitzvot, the yoke of the mitzvot. Number four, it has dat minim, issues of avodah zarah. And number five is, it has hirurei aviravi, hirur avodah zarah. It has inappropriate thoughts about sinning and avodah zarah. So Nagamar says, okay, bishlomahani tzlat mifarshan, the first three are explicit. O mitzvot, the acceptance of the yoke of mitzvot, dichtiv, uritem oto, uzichartem, et kol mitzvot Hashem. It says you'll see the tzitzit and you remember all the mitzvot Hashem. Tzitzit, the tzitzit themselves, because it says, vasudahem tzitzit, that's explicit. Yitziat mitzrayim, dichtiv. So those are explicit in the Pasha. Where do we know those from? The Tanya, we have a bright Tach. That is, going after foreign gods or foreign thoughts. The Naval says in his heart, there is no God. So that's going after your heart. After your eyes is Zehir Arveira. That is having thoughts of doing sins. Shinemar. Shimshon when he wants to take a wife, says to his father, Take that plishti woman. Because that's what I want. I want a plishti woman. I want to marry a plishti woman. So here it's clear that his eyes directed him to do the Aveira. That that's what he saw and he wanted. What's That's having thoughts about That they use the term znut to describe a leaving Hashem for Avodah Zarah. Because just like by a marriage, an extramarital affair is called znut. So it's over here, our marriage to Hashem, when one moves out to Avodah Zarah, that's also called znut. And therefore the term by znu is the proper terminology to describe the leaving of Hashem. Okay, we'll stop over here.